Hey guys, thanks for joining the Football Almost Daily podcast. Hello there everybody and welcome to Football Almost Daily. It's another episode of that fantasy FPL mm. show that does a little bit of mingling with the real world. Uh, it's me, Steve, with my co-host Ian. And Ian, what the fuck was that all about? It's a bit of a shambles. Like, where do you even start? Just everything was wrong and everything was brilliant. Like, it was just weird. I don't think there has ever been a weekend in fantasy or real life quite like that in the Premier League era, has there? Mm. Has that been the most, the highest scoring weekend ever? I don't know. I That'd think be it's been start. the complete, whatever you thought about form, whatever you thought about players to pick, however you wanted to set up your fantasy team, however you were thinking about how your club may play this weekend well <laughs> toss that shit out the window because it just went absolutely mental it was like the twilight zone i actually mm. did uh ping out i wasn't sure whether i was in a coma or not at one point um <laughs> you, how much money do you reckon the bookies made as well because everyone's uh, accumulated they made all the money Every, i don't think anyone everyone's right. i haven't seen was absolutely fucked this i've week. been looking i haven't seen any good like slips no people getting anything right at all so i think relatively uh moving just into fantasy i mean relatively i came out surprisingly unscathed i managed to get 50 points which unless you were one of those people that had brought one of these guys in you know Grealish was your extra midfielder or you know i don't know I don't know, man. I'm at I'm at loss. Like, <laughs> I mean, I think it's hilarious. Like, I love this mm. game. It's a lot of fun, tremendous fun. But I also pinged out. You just cannot take this too seriously because you will have a fucking stroke, mate. Honestly, you are gonna. You, it's bad for your blood pressure to to invest too much in it. But man, it was just mental watching it. Watching those, I was watching some of the games live. The Man United game. You thought okay, this is a really bad day for Man United. It's indicative of the problem, yep. but the real shocker had to be Liverpool losing 7-2 yeah. against Villa, man. That was... Well, I, mean, like I didn't Champions even know what was going well, on as I was like, watching it. Yeah, it was, it was like every be. time Aston Villa go forward. It was like someone was playing FIFA on amateur mode. Like Every time Villa went forward, it looked like they were going to score. Yeah, it, it could easily have been double figures. I think what I said to you was true. Like Aston Villa looked like Liverpool, and Liverpool looked like Aston Villa. It was yeah. really weird to watch. It was crazy, but I mean, I think it made. I hated the results, like in terms of fantasy, but it made it really enjoyable watching football again. Just like yeah. seeing just the the weirdness that happened. And honestly, I I actually felt quite weird. I felt like my my stable base, like of of my entire life was falling out of the window. It was like another thing of everybody going, oh, this year, but it's like, God, no, Liverpool don't lose... Man United don't lose 6-1 at home. Also, Liverpool don't lose 7-2, especially not the champions don't lose 7-2. And then Leicester losing 3-0 at home to West Ham. You're like... This has just been the absolute antithesis of what anybody could have predicted. And this season so far has seemed a little bit like that. So... I just don't know. I mean, it seems like it, there's only three 
nearly everybody's played four games. A few teams have only played three. But coming up, international break now. A little bit of time for things to settle down. Unless, of course, you have some mental international schools as well. But in terms of fantasy, you've got a little bit of time to, I would suggest everybody. I see already there's been a lot of transfers in, transfers out. I really hope the majority of that is people who have decided to wildcard because pre-international break, especially, you just do not. Usually, I mean, I'm in the habit of I don't transfer until very late in the week, like the night before or the morning of anyway, because you just don't know what's going to happen. You end up losing points. There's still like five hours of the transfer window as well, isn't there? Yeah, and especially at the minute, you know, you've got not only the thing of COVID being in the mix, but you've got the international break. You don't know what's going to happen to players on international break. Do not be changing your teams around. Do not be doing any of that stuff yet. Have in mind what you might like to do, but don't actually do it until it comes to it because you might feel differently. You might be a little calmer. You know, just see what you think as the time comes near. But yeah, I mean, I have to admit, mate, I am at a total loss as to what to do this week because I'm looking at my team and I'm thinking that is a shit hot team Mm. like (laughs) who do I mean we started talking about who do we think we're going to bring in this week we couldn't really get anywhere with that then we're now thinking who are we going to drop this week and we can't really get anywhere with that because on paper you're looking at it and going well these are all good fixtures I think we've settled I've got good players for good fixtures we've settled on two suggestions but it's quite interesting because all these people that think they know and like we give you advice and like some of these other fantasy like people must be pulling their hair out because like how do, like they must have got so many errors like are they going to be doing the same thing will they be like suggesting people or will they just give it a rest like, well, for the next week <laughs> who knows i don't know i mean i don't see how you can legitimately suggest people anyway i mean we have this talk off air like we don't really tend to involve ourselves too heavily in statistics because First of all, I think it's boring as hell. And second of all, I just don't think that that's the way things work. I mean, yeah, we can have a look at the general trend and say, this guy is in form. I'm watching this guy is in form. But you can also look at, there's a difference, first of all, between real world and what's going to get points in fantasy. But you can look at a guy and see that guy's a good player. He's in good form there's a real chance I'm going to get some points out of him. I mean, if you're going to recommend somebody, the only striker that I think anybody could legitimately recommend to anyone else is Dominic Calvert-Lewin, purely yeah. because he scored every single game. You don't get more consistent than that. He's £7.5 million, he's great value. If you haven't got him, I haven't got him. I can't afford him. And I think maybe he'd be <laughs> great for my free transfer. But looking around, you're like... I mean, it's what can you say? We've tried to say players we think. We've tried to go into it and say, well, we think this guy's going to do well or possibly this guy will do well. We actually had a little win this week because uh, Pedro Neto was somebody yeah. I was pushing quite heavily. I said, I think really, you know, he could be fantastic. Um, before the season, I think in the Arsenal poddy, I'd said I'd backed Pepe to be electric this season. Mm-hmm. I hope that his goal against... Um, Sheffield United this weekend is going to be the start of that and he's going to kick it off I thought he was one of those players who's going to have the slow first Premier League season um, we did back last week the penalty takers and the fullbacks and the fullbacks were shite across the board pretty mm. much 
Um, the penalty takers, there were a few penalty takers. Jorginho was a big win for anybody that had had him. But in the end, is this just going to be one of those seasons that's less predictable than usual? I think towards the end of last season, people had a core of, you know, De Bruyne, Fernandez, they chuck Salah or Mane, Trent. And you, you started, because you were in that especially post-lockdown, it was in that bubble. Those guys had eight to ten games where their yep. form was really consistent. And now you're looking at it and saying, I don't know who is going to be consistent in this season. We were just having a look through the fixtures before coming on to record this. Right, okay, what do we think? And then we're looking at the fixtures and just taking a quick look down the fixture list um, from this week. The games are going to... Again, it's so hard to well, predict. Yeah, do you go on the form of last week? Or do you go on the form of like well, exactly. how, they, how they should perform? You've got like, Everton v Liverpool. Does anyone really think Everton are going to put seven past Liverpool? No. Does anybody really think Dominic Calvert-Lewin isn't going to score against Liverpool? I'd say probably not. But Everton haven't beaten Liverpool for ten years. That doesn't mean they're not going to get a point. But how are Liverpool going to come out? Are they going to have more COVID cases before then? Is half the team going to be missing? Why you, you know, don't be doing your transfers at the minute. And can I see? I mean, I've got Trent and Robertson, right? Do I really think Trent and Robertson are going to be that bad next time out? No, Do I really think over the season they? that it's going to be detrimental for me to have those two in the team? No. So... It's really boiling down to a long-term game where I think everybody is going to have to start sitting tight and just riding it out for the next few games and thinking, okay, let's see if anybody can grab, any team or any individual can grab a modicum of consistency. So that's pretty, much, that's pretty much the advice going forward then. Try not to make any risky transfers. Try not to be reactive. If, if you have and... a trans, if you have someone that's doing absolute crap, then or if yeah. you want to transfer, transfer. This is in in the end. This is your game. This is your team and your game, and you have to play it however you want to. We're just a couple of guys that are sitting here having a chat, trying to work it out as we go. We're not. I, I don't know what constitutes an expert in this. We're not experts. We're guys who love football. I think we even love the experts it. are struggling, aren't they? So it, that's precisely. I mean, we love watching it. We love trying to analyse it. We were say trying to play it then. <laughs> trying to play it. I mean, man, I was, that was something I was never good at. Um, but you've got to play your game, you know. And and what do you think? Using your eyes, you're watching games, you're seeing things. You think, I oh, look at the fixtures. What, what do we think? I mean... We're looking down the fixture list now, Everton, Liverpool, Chelsea, Southampton. You'd think Chelsea at home, home win. They won the last game 4-0. Southampton, they've kept two clean sheets. Danny Ings didn't score last time out. Southampton scored twice and Danny Ings didn't score last time out. I mean, Oh, he'd be high on the expected goal list. <laughs> Ings versus West Brom, Jimenez versus Fulham. Yeah. Four points between them. That's the thing, they're both due goals, aren't they, if you go on that stat? If you go on the stat, but does it... You know, then you've got Leicester against Villa. You'd say home win all day long, apart from Leicester lost at home. They got tanked at home last time out, and Villa smashed Liverpool. So you're like, are Villa going to do Leicester? I mean, the Harvey Barnes thing, to be honest, I've always found it really difficult to get on board with Harvey Barnes. When I watch him, I don't 
see what other people see I don't think I just think he looks like a kind of he's a good player but I don't see the special thing around him Harvey Barnes I think he's just like a decent midfielder um, I liked it when Villa signed Barkley I thought that's given really good balance to their team really good options and they're going to be good going forward nobody thought fucking 7-2 against Liverpool good but um, Grealish had a good season last season could be consistent again this season I'm surprised he was only 7 million actually but again he's somebody I didn't get in the team because you can't have all the midfielders you can't have all the strikers um, Newcastle Man United what Man United is going to turn up are they going to respond to getting absolutely walloped you'd hope so um, or are they not Newcastle look relatively solid this season I think Almiron looks good he hasn't got the, he's another one his, the numbers his points do not reflect his performances he's been very very good Sam Maximan little purple patch last time out is he one of those that's going to get you points he's going to turn up a bit of a nanny he'll turn up once every four games and do something special um, he looks a little more consistent this season that's kind of borne out with you know with his points and stats so far so do you get him in Callum Wilson he looks good as well but you can't have every striker is Callum Wilson going to trouble Man United's backline? I think so he's high energy he moves all across the front line he runs the channels he's going to cause all sorts of problems I can see Newcastle winning but if Man United beat Newcastle, nobody's going to be surprised. Sheffield United at home to Fulham. Will Brewster make his debut? Four and a half million pickup. I've had him on my bench for quite a while. He's going to want to make an impression. Fulham, four games, four defeats. You can't really see that turning around anytime soon. Or could it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'll win like 3 0 away. Sheffield yeah. United, why not? West Brom at home to Burnley. I mean, Burnley haven't had the best of luck at the back at the minute. West Brom have got some good attacking options. I think their next three games are pretty good for attacking options. You know, we said before the season, Pereira, Diangana looked a couple of good bets. Pereira didn't... I think he only got the two points. Did he only get two this weekend? You had him in, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he only got the two points this weekend. Yeah, of course he did, because they lost 2-0 to Southampton. So they looked crap against Southampton. But before that game, I thought, well, they've got Southampton, they've got Burnley, they've got Fulham, and they've got... Who have they got next week? West Brom. Or not you. next week, but next time. They're away at Brighton, who have been shipping goals by the bucket load. Oh. See, like, their forward options in those four games, you'd think, would I think that got, that produce game a decent got a, return. A, Goal draw written over it, all over it. What West Brom Burnley? Yeah, they'll each score, but it would be a draw. Could well. Or Man City Arsenal. Arsenal. Kevin De Bruyne has ripped Arsenal to shreds the past couple of times out. Now we have had a bit of news today, which looks like Sergio Aguero's back in training. Now yes. I see on the stats already about one and a half million players have shipped De Bruyne out of the team. That is an insane move, mm. especially if Sergio Aguero's fit for that game. Yeah, this was our because, other bit of advice, wasn't it? Like, yeah, don't I mean, transfer him out. The, the problem is, I mean, not only has De Bruyne been restricted in the amount of space he's had, he's also played slightly different position in midfield this season. Just very slightly, he's moved a little more central rather than roaming quite so much. Um, 
Oh, well, he was always central, but he, he seemed like he roamed a lot more. He's been a lot more static trying to come into the centre of the park and and work things from there. Uh, but Raheem Sterling, with the greatest will in the world, although he scored last time out, he isn't Aguero. Um, so you think De Bruyne will be back on it if Aguero's back? I think Aguero gives Arsenal a hell of a lot more to worry about up top if he's playing. Um, so yeah I, I would I, I just wouldn't ship Kevin De Bruyne around he's been the most consistent performer the last season or two so the thing is now people it, just get worried and then they get too reactive and they're like well yeah, I'm not doing anything I'll get one of these other strikers in and then uh, exactly and then you've got uh, Palace at home to Brighton now Palace have got a fairly good run as well they don't score too many and you're kind of looking at it and saying well you know Townsend's got a few assists Zaha Zaha seems like if he's going to end up staying at Palace it's all going to be down to his attitude he's got the ability to score goals <sighs> hard Spurs at home to West Ham West Ham seven goals in the last two games won two games without conceding a goal you would expect you know well they're going to have a hard time at Tottenham but it's going to be like Especially a 14 goal game isn't winning it? Four, uh, they won three of their four games in a week and scored seven in one and six in another like you know high goal scoring game this one yeah is it a high goal scoring <laughs> game I mean I would suggest getting Antonio in because he's he's doing really well and that's me mm. eating humble pie man because I said West Ham are not going to score the goals and I didn't see Antonio doing it Antonio I, well, I, I was just like I don't like West Ham yeah but Antonio's <laughs> been really really good um I think he's still relatively good value as well. I think the their two games after Spurs though are Man City and Liverpool. But he looks like he's got a little bit of a little bit of what Man United need. A little bit of what City need at the minute, you know. Sometimes a little bit of what Liverpool need, where you need somebody who's just big and a bit of a brute to buff it around the defence I think I said leader that, oh they need them <laughs> oh good god do they need them but yeah I can see him causing Spurs problems and uh, yeah they've got a nice little setup there I think if David Moyes stays at home again they've got a really good chance but <laughs> who wants to pick it and then lead some Wolves again I just don't know so I am going to shut my mouth to offer any advice mm. I can only say I mean, we are going to podcast again next time out, so we'll say what we sit with, but we'll we'll literally, I think going forward, we're just going to say what we have done. Yeah, because I think giving advice would be way too risky. Or... Giving advice is just, you know, I listened to Michael Caine once and he said, you know why advice is free? Because it's bullshit. Mm. You know, everybody is their own person and you have to go with your own gut. Obviously, look into it for yourself, but... We want to have fun on here as well. That was me throwing my pen. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> Flipping but, a table. Yeah. Um, no, we want to have some fun with it as well and not get dragged down and get too serious. So, Anyway, but yeah, for football, for the Premier League, I mean, wow. This season, pretty much anything could happen, couldn't it? I mean, we've, we've both had a little punt on Spurs for the title. Mm. Um, but I'm thinking of an sticking some money on, on Villa. Um, West Ham because they're long odds <laughs> but are they going to follow that Leicester path what was it promotion narrowly avoid relegation yeah. Premier League champions like can Villa 
emulate that possibly why not they've got the attacking talent i mean somebody i really like who doesn't get as much credit i mean they've got a, a really good midfield john mcginn i think that guy's superb and it sort of fades fades well it faded away a little bit the other night in the jack Grealish, ross barkley debut ollie watkins hat trick but john mcginn that guy is brilliant i thought ollie watkins looked amazing i think ollie watkins looks good yeah i mean it's his first game, but he's going to be buzzing after that hat trick. Mm. And you can see him doing the same to Leicester. Uh, but I, I, I like John McGinn. They've got Douglas Louise at the base there. They've now got Barkley. They've got Grealish. Uh, they've got Watkins. They've got Martinez, who looks as though actually he's pretty good, I think. Um, all round, they're starting to get that that sense that not only if they are they resilient. They're tough. They're hardworking. I haven't been a huge advocate, certainly not last season. Of, I thought Tyrone Mings got praise that was possibly a little bit more than what he was actually producing. But so far, I think it looks really good. Mm. And they marshal their backline really well. They they marshal themselves well. They're a good team. I, I think, think they're a make, really good team. They're much it's going to make the uh, think the games really interesting as well. I think I'm just going to stick like a quid on that because it's 125 to one. I think but we should start um, losing money and having a bet every week. <laughs> we did that because we... you might win money. You've surely the odds have still got to be on like Leicester to win a home mm. win. So if you went this week, you go like. A Villa win. Should we well, just pick all the underdogs for the week? Yeah, like just have a... <laughs> what's going to happen? Like you could pick one and then put one more as like your your real ringer to run the money up a little bit. Could do. I mean, we did but, when we first started and then dropped it pretty quickly when we lost. Like, Yeah, we, we kept losing <laughs> money. We didn't win anything. So it's maybe... Well, and we're not... Certainly not giving betting advice. No, that'd be... Yeah. Because <laughs> that would be absolutely ludicrous. Maybe we'll do uh, it as we'll tell people what we've done after yeah like a week after kind of like the lottery numbers yeah oh, these are the numbers we pick these are numbers you should have picked <laughs> we'll start calling our show 2020 uh, no, it'll it definitely make the games more interesting especially as they're all over the place at the moment yeah sticking like a quid on uh, Villa to win why not it's fantastic so I mean week ahead like we say I think people can see the, who who they feel is going to be the most consistent um, well say week ahead it's post international break for those mm. of you with two transfers post international break and for those of you that kept Son <laughs> bravo yeah I'm one of the idiots that has uh, had him got rid of him had him got rid of him there you go if you were wondering Ian is that guy I've made a note He's again. He's the one guy that got... <laughs> I've made a note again because I keep saying yeah. it and I keep breaking my rule, but I'm not going to do any transfers. The sad thing is, so... right, yeah, you know, <laughs> the sad thing is that our respective partners... Oh, yeah. Uh, my wife and her sister put a team in just for funsies. Um, they don't like football. They don't care. They pick their teams based upon people's names that they liked. They happened to pick some pretty good players in there. They, they're kind of a mix of names they liked and people they thought, oh, well, there, I've heard of that guy, so he's probably right. They are second and fourth in our league of, of 16 teams, like our friends and family kind of league. Yeah. 
It's ridiculous. Yeah, second and fourth. With 227 and then 226. It's ridiculous. Yeah. My wife kept Son, even though he was injured. So now I keep I was sure you don't want to get rid of him. No, I like him. I like his name. I'm keeping him. Mm. Fine. Harry Kane. Who do you want as your captain? Oh, Harry Kane. You're like, oh, my God. My God. Are you serious? Are you serious? Who else did you have? Hector Bellerin? Cesar uh, Spilicueta? Well, they were on the bench, actually, I think. But Yeah. Although, who'd she have? She's yeah, she picked Neto. She liked Navigator because it sounded like Navigator. <laughs> yes. um, oh, man, and I, I am getting absolutely humbled. You know, like yeah. like we say, how could we possibly give advice when we're not even the best players in our own households? Mm. Um, yeah, so I think that's it. I'm gonna actually follow it this week. Do no transfers because <laughs> yeah. I think you can't. Like we've said, there's there's no rhyme or reason for why any of these guys yep. are doing well. So no, absolutely. Stick, yeah. I picked these guys for a reason. I'm going to stick with them. I think so, and I I, I think that's what we're going to do, isn't it? With I, I mean, unless anything particularly happens, was it put as well? I really can't think of anybody that I would drop and yeah. bring in because they could have a shite week. I could pull Jack Grealish in. And then he does bugger all next week, like, and that Harvey Barnes, who I was just slamming, will go and bang a hat trick in or something, you know. Mm, that was the other note I made. Was I'm not going to do any transfers unless there's a killer signing in the next yeah. like five hours. Good point. And then I probably will. Wait, what about Bale? Well, not Bale. Yeah, Bale. Welcome to him. Bale. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, Spurs got Bale to come into this team yet? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think they still where they were trying to sign Skriniar still. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But Spurs, I think they, they look very very good. But again, they're going to be playing. They played the they played Man United, whose defense was all over the shop. The high line. I think this should segue really actually into something. Perhaps we've been mulling over as to whether is def- the the defending now a lost art? Is it done? I think with, with the handball rule, it's definitely on the way out, isn't it? Yeah, because, I mean, if you picked your team, you probably wouldn't pick any defenders in it now, would you? <laughs> you know. You look, you think, so it seems to me it's about defending as an art form has slipped into this kind of the book of the dark arts of football that now defending is kind of a dirty word, you know. Some of the greatest players in history have been defenders you look at Franz Beckenbauer Bobby Moore you know uh, Paolo Maldini Gaetano Syria you know uh, fantastic players through to the modern age I mean you know we had a much vaunted central defence used to be England's like you had John Terry you had Rio Ferdinand you know you had Jamie Carragher (laughs) (laughs) No, but that used to be a really strong. Yeah, Sol Campbell. You know, we had some really, really top quality centre halves for a very, very long time. And now, it seems that at the back, a goalkeeper is more prized by what he can do in terms of his distribution. Not it's what he can do with his feet, and not his hands. And it seems like centre halves are the same. It's what they can do with their feet. It seems like fullbacks are how what they contribute to the attack. Did so, you say this because the game's changed though? A lot. I think of the, the game has changed. I outscore your opponents. I think it's changed in some way like that. Um, but I think what the thing is is, like we were talking about, Jose Mourinho was much maligned as somebody of a bygone era. But 
Why are we seeing teams all of a sudden who are well organised, who perhaps sit a little deeper, who try and stay compact and then try and counter-attack? Why are they doing so well? You know, the other night, what happened with Liverpool, for instance, Trent and Robertson were so far up the pitch and that's how they play, that's how Liverpool play, but now... Was it only a matter of time? Was this kind of thing the Leicester, the United, the Liverpool? Was it an inevitability of the way that people are playing that if these teams, who they're playing against, manage to stay organised and break into the spaces behind that? It was only a matter of time before we started seeing this kind of implosion of this so high-pressing, high-energy football. But then all they've got to do is just switch up in the next game, surely. So but surely Klopp will just go, actually, if, just if quickly revert at, back. And but then... Liverpool's strength is not defence. Now, Alisson wasn't in goal. For me, Alisson is probably the best goalkeeper in the world. He's fantastic. Um, he's great with his hands and his feet. You know, the Jorginho penalty against him did it for me because Jorginho runs and the little skip is about the goalie tells which way he's going to go. And that's why he had a 100% penalty record, because he just psyched out the goalie, basically. Like, the goalie would move before Jorginho would. Yeah. But I watched Allison as Jorginho took his penalty. Allison stayed dead still until Jorginho made his move and then dived and saved it. And I thought, now that is not only balls, but it's phenomenal to be able to do that. Why didn't he play? Was he injured or something? Or? Yeah, he's got looks like a long-term injury. But oh, if you take him out of it, at the back, I think, I said last season, I was a little bit slammed for this as well, that I thought Van Dijk had had a little bit of a dip. I think his best season, undoubtedly, was the season Liverpool won the Champions League and finished runners-up. He was imperious. Yeah. But he has had a little bit of downturn. And I think that's continued a little bit this season. He doesn't look quite as solid. And mm. he was really the difference maker in that Liverpool backline. So if his performances are not top notch, then they're going to start struggling again. It looked like he was getting angry in the last game, like just really annoyed with he himself. He was getting angry. And then it made it worse. But so. If you're the difference maker, if you're not the, the guy performing, then obviously the standards are going to tail off. Mm. Now, He's not the quickest, and Matip's not been playing, so you've had Joe Gomez. and I, Joe Gomez has been afflicted by a series of injuries, but he doesn't look like he's progressed too much at the minute. Trent's not a particularly good defender, even though he is excellent going forward. It, to be honest, the fullbacks now are old-school wide midfielders or wingers. They're basically playing that role from fullback. So defending itself, there are very few good defenders left in world football and when we were talking about like Chelsea signing Thiago Silva I think it raised quite a few eyebrows but that's around leadership like the organisation of Manchester United's backline mm. Maguire's not a leader he's not an organiser nobody in that Man United backline is where did this it's the same from? at Man City I mean well it's because he's got he, you know he's so immobile well, rigid. Oh, like okay. turning yeah, yeah. circle of a jumbo jet and yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 
Harry Maguire's a good defender, but again, he's vaunted because he can play out from the back, not necessarily because of his imperious defending. Um, and this is the problem. I mean, it's Man City. That Man City are throwing money at a problem that doesn't exist. It's not the quality of their defenders. It's the ability to organise them at the back. You know, they're identifying the wrong problem all the time. The problem is there's no leadership. There's no communication at the back. Manchester United, do you look at that Man United back line? Let's take that, just for simple ease. <laughs> Always since but, a rant coming. <laughs> yeah, but Patrice Evra, right, was talking on TV the other night. If people were watching it, it was an impassioned kind of rant about Man United. But you look at when he was there. You had Edwin van der Sar, Gary Neville, Rio Ferdinand, Emanovic, Vidic, Patrice Evra. Those five were constantly talking. Those five were yeah. leaders, organisers. All of them, I think, had the captain's armband at one point or another. Now you look at Man United's defence. You've got David De Gea, Aaron Wambasaka, Luke Shaw, Harry Maguire and Lindelof or Bailly for this particular game. None of them talk. None of them lead. None of them can organise. They're all over the shop. It's what the problem is. You need that voice at the back. When Chelsea played with John Terry... Whoever played with John Terry looked good. When John Terry wasn't in the team, whatever defensive pairing you made looked distinctly less because you could not replace what he had, which was his leadership ability and his organisational tactics. Now, he was slow as shit, but they put somebody next to him who was quick. So you had, like at Man United, Vidic was the slower of the two, Ferdinand was the pace, and the, the ball player, Vidic didn't ping like fucking balls out from the back that often but he was a great defender mm. so what these teams are lacking is that if you've got a half competent attack and you can win the ball you can get in behind these teams now and score goals you could beat them you know anybody who's prepared a David Moyes team now David Moyes like 4-4-2 keeping it tight Set plays are important. I mean, if you chuck... Heaven forbid, if you chuck someone like Sam Allardyce back in this league now, I mean, people would bellyache about the non-pretty football, but they'd fucking tear it up. Yeah. You know. So what you're help, hoping for is... What I'm hoping... In sorry. the transfer window when it closes, strong defender, a leader... Um, I think Chelsea signed Thiago Silva primarily because of what he offered. They identified the problem last season was not in the quality of their defenders as such. It was in the lack of leadership at the back and the lack of organisation at the back. And they... He made a mistake in his first game. I think he's going to need time to bed in. He is 36, so he's not going to have the pace of last time. But his quality his positional sense, his sense of the game and his ability to read it hasn't gone anywhere. Mm. And Manu. over the course of the season, we said before the season, I actually picked him by the end of the season, I said he could be the most important signing, he could be the best signing of yeah. the season because I picked Chelsea to win the league as well. And But Chelsea had to go to a 36-year-old free transfer. That's experience as well. Or 35 when he signed, he's 36 now to find that leadership that they needed at the back. You know, 
Sergio Ramos is mid thirties. He's still playing at Real Madrid. Varane looks dog shit when he's not playing alongside Sergio Ramos, and he's vaunted as one of the best defenders in the world. But he has, he can play. He's got great feet. He's got great technical ability, but he's got no positional sense. He doesn't have any awareness. You know, for France, he had Hugo Lloris organising him. Now Hugo Lloris is organising that back line as well. Somebody has to be taking responsibility at the back. And if you don't have that, you're going to ship goals. Man City don't have it, they ship goals. Man United don't have it, they ship goals. Liverpool have it in Van Dijk, but Van Dijk's been a little bit wobbly on the form. They've made a few errors. They're suffering. You know, this is what's going to happen. And that's why Wolves, I mean, had been built on a pretty solid defence. When England played their last game, they were crap. But Connor Cody was talking all game long, organising that back three. And that's something that you don't find very often in the game now. And that's what makes him such an important player. And for me, that is... But defending. I like defend. I used to love the defenders as a kid. I loved watching them. I loved those rainy nights, those European nights with the, the slide tackling, the tough tackling, the physicality, the roughing up of the forward players of the opposite team, the ruffling of feathers, the flair players getting pissed off because they were getting kicked in the shins. <laughs> you know. But now, it all seems to be fading out and it's a game... That is all about pretty. When when people sign when Everton signed Carlo Ancelotti and the previous managers, they're like, "Oh, they're going to allow us to play the attacking, attractive brand of football that we want to play," and all this horseshit that comes out from every fucking angle of these clubs right now is that we want to play attractive attacking football. Fuck off, man. Do you want to win or don't you want to win? Well, what you want is somebody who wants cycles, to win. Though, doesn't it? So yeah, you, I mean, probably... Ancelotti wants to win. He is yeah. a winner. But he, he's won trophies nearly everywhere he's been. He is yeah. undoubtedly a winner. But as the head of a club, a chairman of a club, an owner of a club, you should have the club's performances on the pitch as being front and centre of what you want to do. Not how much money you can get out of it. Of course, they need to make money. They're not in it for charity, but... That should be at the front and centre. You get the feeling that that's not the case at Arsenal. It's not the case at Manchester United. You know, it's starting to become less and less the case at quite a lot of clubs. Maybe the change is coming, though. If there's all these problems in defence, could it switch back to a solid defence line? And Could do. But where like... are you going to go? You've got to teach the kids how to defend first. I mean, that's why True. they sit there. The pundits sit there week after week and they say, this is like stuff you should have learned when you were 15. You're like, why are they not learning it when they're 15? And it seems to be a lot of the time as well, something that I don't think you saw quite as much back in the day was coaches prowling the touchline for 90 minutes, barking orders constantly. That's what your captain should be doing. That's what the players should be doing. There should be some responsibility there. And like they, I think I actually said it on Sky this week. Is, you know, you're looking at the guys to say, come on, I mean... When I'm watching games, I don't see players... I mean, at least Virgil, like you said, was getting fucked off. Mm. You know, yeah, it's it was like, noticeable, wasn't it? So. He's having a go at people. I mean, he was to blame as much as anyone else a lot of the time. But you need somebody in the team. You need people in the team having a go at people and saying, look, fucking buck your ideas up. It doesn't matter what shirt you're in or what team you're playing for. 
do you're, better. You're playing, you've got fans watching you, you've got people. There's a responsibility that comes with playing for a club. It's not just about picking up your fucking paycheck every week. And like we said, especially for the Premier League, going home to your model wife and your mansion and your umpteen fucking cars, you know, you've got a responsibility. People are paying their hard-earned cash to watch you, to come and see you, to come and see you play. This is... They're invested in this. This is a passion for them. It's not cold business and money. This is this is passion. It's life. It's spirit. This is heart and soul. Maybe you'll see a change, obviously, with COVID. Because clubs are losing millions, aren't they, each week with fans not turning up. Maybe yeah. it will. they'll start to realise that they can't afford to play these pay these players the amount of money yeah and it could start a change in everything thought yeah i mean if the money starts dwindling i mean you're already a millionaire but i, I don't know i mean, I mean it's a natural thing pay. i can't you can't begrudge the money in the game the money's there the product is being sold for what someone's willing to pay for it you know in terms of the premier league as a whole and the tv rights and the like and the like but You can't forget that there's, you know, kids kicking balls want to be you. There's people who would cut off an arm to be... I remember Benoit Asuikoto, you know, got so much hate, I don't think, as when he said it was just a job to him. Maybe it was just a job, but don't fucking tell everyone that, you idiot. You know? Yeah, you want to inspire people, don't you, to... It, I don't think that you should hold any football... I don't think you should hold them up as role models. You know, I think that's a pressure. What you do in your private life is, is still your own business, I think. Mm. Yeah, you want to aspire but to be like them on the pitch. On though, the you? pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where these kids, they want to be you. They want to, When I was a kid, everyone wanted to be Eric Cantona. They turned their shirts up, collars up. They wanted to be cool. They wanted to have the skills. They wanted to play like Eric Cantona. You know, if you're a Man United fan. Anyway, if you're a Liverpool fan, you didn't want to be Eric Cantona. You'd probably want to be Ian Rush. <laughs> or John Barnes, you know, or whomsoever. And then obviously Zola in at Chelsea and the like. But the responsibility is remembering that you're playing for this club and you don't go out and embarrass them. You don't go out and just be like, oh, 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 and sulk and all that shit. Fucking hell, man. So I think that's what's going to be interesting, but isn't defend it? What? what You always give 100%. Yeah. These defenders, like, you've got, look, how can you not look as a defender? Uh, where it's going wrong I said this to you again it was about Man United wasn't it was it against Crystal Palace I said every time the ball came into Zahar he turned Lindelof Lindelof got tight yeah. on him and Zahar turned him every single time mm -hmm. when the ball was coming into the Man United forwards the Palace defenders knew enough to drop off a little bit so that they couldn't be turned yeah. and then get in behind it was it's elementary stuff like but how can you as a player not think, this guy keeps turning me every time I get close to him. Like, I'll drop off so he hasn't got that option. You don't have to drop, like, fucking miles off and let him turn and front you up. But you drop off just a bit. So if he turns, you can get him. Like, So this is going to be a true test of managers of teams after the shit week that's been gone. Because no doubt the managers are going to have similar conversations this, to what you've said to the players, but it's going to be way more in-depth. This, this is, is going to be. Test a, this them. is going to be a test of ability. Yeah. It's going to be a test of responsibility on the pitch. It's going to be a test of talent, and it's going to be a test of character. And if you fail on any one of those things, why are you in a football shirt? Why are they paying these people all this money? Yeah. You know, 
I hate it. I always hate it when I don't see people giving a hundred percent because for me, I think if you're there, like I said, I watched Patrice Evra. I think he'd probably killed for Man United. Graham Souness the same for Liverpool. You know, John Terry for Chelsea. It's yeah, you don't. This you can't really the, say that about many now, can you? No, and you can't instill character in someone. You can't instill leadership in someone. But in terms of pure defensive ability, the defenders now. You take defenders from 15, 20 years ago, they would shit all over defenders now. And when people talk about fantastic attackers, you're like, they're, they're great attackers, but they're playing against bloody bog-standard defenders. I mean, it just... <laughs> you, defending, for me, is a, as much a part of the game as anything else. And there is no right way to play football. There's a more easy-on-the-eye way to play football... But there's no right way to play football. And when sour grapes managers come out and say only one team wanted to play today, or oh, they sat everyone behind the ball. And like Raheem Sterling after Leeds, oh, well, I, I prefer playing this sort of team rather than people who play 11 behind the ball. You're like, why? Is that because they might get something out of it? Is that because they're good at it? They frustrate you? Should they yeah. play your way? Should they just let you win? Why not not bother turning up at all? I mean, <laughs> just give you the 3 0 win. I mean, fuck it. Jesus Christ. Feel that? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But, Uh, yeah, I just think for me, defending is an art that has been going out of the game. The laws have been against it. The rules have been against it. You know, I mean, for me, anyone who saw Luke Shaw's tackle, a lot of people are going to think that was a red card. I didn't. I thought it was a yellow. Um, It was definitely dirty. but Oh, it was pure filth. It was cynical. (laughs) But it was a booking. Yeah, you know, he didn't go in studs up. He didn't go in two footed. He didn't, you know, he took the guy out. I mean, that that's something you you just in all the time to take that out of the game. Like, oh, he's endangering him there. He might hurt himself. He's playing football. He's playing a fucking high intensity team sport, and he's getting paid a shit ton of cash to do it. So of course, there's a risk you might get hurt. You know, it's a physical game. But to me, that's a booking. You know, it's stupid. I think that's what's killing it as much as anything. You can't tackle. Now with VAR, I mean, you know, maybe you could have. I'm not saying it's right, but there are some dark sides to defending as well. You know, there are the people who would, you know, rake a studs down your Achilles or something, you know, especially if a player's quicker than them. But yeah, uh, defending to me is being phased out of the game. And so if you phase it out, it's all about who's the best attackers. But if there are people still committed to it, then you are going to get results like Liverpool getting beat against a team that had the defensive nouts to not only nullify their attack, but to counter-attack into the spaces that their incredibly high defensive line left. This feels like the most interesting time in football in a while it's interesting for the pure who the hell knows what's going to happen yeah, yeah. next just for the fun of it okay. exactly yeah exciting it's exciting times I mean let us know what you think if you guys do you like defending do you find defending an art form do you think it's good that we've phased out the park the park in the bus and you've got more exciting games or or did you enjoy do Steve's you, rant? Do you like the <laughs> lack of physicality now in the game? Or would you prefer to see a bit more rough and tumble? I personally would. Yeah. Um, but then I'm from a 
I'm from the nineties and so you want whatnot, feedback on your rant is basically what you're saying. If people want to give me <laughs> feedback, you give me feedback by all means. We love to hear from you. And we'd yeah. love to uh, we love to have these two way conversations that are one way from our end and then we wait for your response. But well, I was gonna say that because we've had a lot more listeners on the last couple of episodes. So it yeah. might even be that we get more interaction now. Yeah, I mean so. we appreciate that as well. I mean if you guys have enjoyed it, we like we say, we wanna have some fun, we wanna it's not not take it too seriously. I think when we started with our podcasts, we've tried to go in on the serious angle, and then very quickly thought, "Oh fuck it, hell! Like well, I, can't, I really come, can't be asked for that." It's just come more. This is a game. It, it? It's yeah. fun. We enjoy it. We like seeing what we can do. Mm. Can we get it right? Have we had a little bit of luck there, or a little bit of a travesty here? And in the end. This should be fun. It shouldn't ruin your week. You shouldn't be worrying all weekend about it. It's fun. And see what you can do. If you guys have had any wins, if you guys have any great ideas, we'd love to hear it. We always love to hear it. Suggestions. What should we do? We'll try and post our teams, actually, as they stand. We think we're probably going to leave them. Um, but if anybody's got any hot tips mm. or what you'd do, by all means, let us know. Love Definitely. It. Okay. Fantastic. Wrap up there. Yeah, on the end of that, I think we should Some say, you know, hour long. Yeah, I mean, we've got an international break. We'll probably have a little podcast next week, nothing too heavy, just to go over what we have Let's actually. Let's talk about VAR. We'll talk, well, <laughs> oh, Jesus. We'll be here forever talking about that. We? Yeah, let's not do that. But, yeah, I think I think we're there. If you've, uh, you know, if you've got vested interest in internationals, if you care anymore, I don't know if anyone does it these days, but, um, yeah. Good luck to you and your international teams. Good luck to you for the next round. Well done to you if you kept people or you brought people in that worked out this week. And good luck for whatever you decide to do. But if there's, we don't want to give advice anymore, but we are saying that what we're doing is we're going to hang fire on these transfers. We always hang fire, even if it's just one transfer week, always hang fire until very near, if not right on top of um, cut off point just because you've never ever known you don't want to be spending an unnecessary four points here and there okay so uh, fantastic stuff take care guys we will see you next week in between enjoy yourselves whatever you may be doing bye bye see ya